Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mets are amazing, 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 amazing. There's a fly ball hit out to left. Waiting is Jones. The Mets are the world champion. Here's the one, two, three. Check him out. Steva has 19 strikeouts. Swung on, hit on the ground towards first. Miller has the ball. Looks to McGraw. It's over. The New York Mets have won the tournament. The New York Mets have won the tournament. The ground ball quickly is a fair ball. It's by Buckner. Down the third night. The Mets will win the ball game. He's striking out. Striking out. The Mets have won the World Series. 2-1 delivery. Robin Ventura. Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. To left field. Floyd. And after running rough shot over the National League, the Mets have a titleless show for it. 2006 National League East champions. Here's the payoff pitch from Familia to Fowler on the way. And it's in there. Strike three called. The Mets win the pennant. The New York Mets have won the National League pennant. Put it in the box. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Here on this Sunday, December the 30th, 2018, of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check out the show all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia. And you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy early New Year. Hope everybody's doing well. It's been about two weeks since our last episode. Uh, that was that crazy weekend we did the winter meetings recap. And then as soon as we got off the air, the Wilson Ramos signing was announced. So that 
I had to come back, you know, less than 24 hours later with the second podcast, give you kind of some of the commentary on Ramos. And really since then, although there's some things to talk about with respect to the Mets and what they're going to do with the rest of the offseason and the roster, there's not a heck of a lot that I want to repeat or rehash right now as we head into the holidays. So I was thinking about, okay, you could take a couple of weeks off through New Year or you can do some kind of feature. So what I decided to do for today's podcast, and I hope you enjoy it, and I do think you'll find it very interesting, is bring on uh, journalist Robert Andrew Powell. And Robert just wrote his first piece for The Athletic. And if you're not a subscriber at The Athletic, and I have no skin in this game because I'm not affiliated with The Athletic at all, other than the fact that I am a subscriber, and there's some really good reporting, good journalism, some good writing going on over there, really interesting venture. Uh, going on at The Athletic. Well, Robert did his first piece, and it was about Mike Piazza, but it's not your typical Mike Piazza piece. Uh, It's about Mike Piazza in retirement. It's about his failed foray into owning an Italian soccer club. You may have heard he had owned a soccer club. He talked a little bit about it during uh, the 2016 return to City Field when he made the Hall of Fame, and I know he had just, I believe, at that time had taken over the soccer club. But uh, the team went bankrupt uh, earlier this year. Uh, Mike uh, took off and and hightailed out of Italy back to the United States. And we really haven't heard much about it. Uh, That is until this piece about two weeks ago came out from Robert talking about the whole situation over there, how Mike got involved, uh, how things went bad, his wife taking over, and he was lucky enough to actually sit down at their home in Miami and talk to Mike Piazza and his wife, Elisa, and and really get a feel about what happened, their take, and he also traveled to Italy, and that's a pretty cool thing that The Athletic supported and paid for him to go to Italy, to go to the town of Italy, Reggio Emilia, and I'm sure I'm botching, for those who are of the native Italian tongue out there, I'm sure I'm going to botch some of the pronunciations here, so I apologize in advance, but uh, he went over to Italy, to this town in northern Italy, Reggio Emilia, and got a feel of their take and and what happened. Essentially, uh, AC Reggiana is a 100-year-old soccer club who has fallen on hard times even before Piazza took over. Uh, Mike uh, had a chance to buy into a team that at one point was in Division I, which is a Series A over there. Uh, was currently when Mike bought in in Series C, actually back in the 1990s, had a the public without any uh, you know public financing, the actual team privately funded its own stadium, and and part of that was through the fan base and the fan base selling season tickets out into the future, but they fell on some hard times. They had to wind up selling the stadium and become tenants in their own stadium because another team wound up buying it. Think of the Mets going bankrupt, basically, and then selling City Field to the Yankees. Yankees playing at City Field, and then the Mets still playing at City Field when the Yankees aren't there, but paying rent. You know, a bad situation for everybody involved. You know, Mike comes in, takes over the team, has aspirations to get it up into another level, maybe go from C to B, which is basically Division Two, and... At the beginning, his intentions were good, but very quickly, I think he learned about how difficult it is to navigate the politics and the uh, actual art of owning an Italian soccer team. I don't. It doesn't sound like, and we'll get into this with Robert. It doesn't sound like he really researched how much uh, it was going to take financially, some of the pitfalls that come with 
owning a, a club, the the cultures and the business institutions that are uh, Italy. Uh, it's not the United States, uh, so there's a lot of things that went on there. Uh, even with all that, uh, Mike almost was able to, if they had won, and it was a very controversial call, and if you go to the athletic website or even if you look it up, there was a controversial call where uh, essentially the the uh, AC Reggiano was robbed uh, in a situation where they said that, uh, and I'm again, I'm not a soccer fan, so I'm going to try to explain this as, as good as I can. Uh, essentially, he, he touched the ball with his hand, but the opposing player pushed said uh, AC Reggiano player into the ball. So it was kind of an obvious thing. If you look at the video, it does seem obvious. Then they wound up losing uh, the actual match. And, and if they had won that match, it would have allowed them or afforded them an opportunity to continue on and possibly uh, finish in a position where they could be in uh, the B League, uh, a step up. And maybe that would have been able to keep this team afloat financially. The team was losing a ton of money. The really interesting part of the story that we'll get into is how Mike, in the midst of all this chaos, hands the team over to his wife, who starts to do things like, uh, you know, the team bus is not allowed to drop players off of their homes. He's like to save money on gas. Just a lot of cost-cutting things, uh, very contentious relationships with many of the people within the organization. She doesn't come across looking that great. Uh, I think in her mind, she was protecting her husband and, and obviously protecting their wealth because they were losing a ton of money to the tune of about 4 million euros a year. That's a ton of money. Uh, for a guy who's very wealthy, Mike Piazza, but let's face it, he's not in that pantheon of billionaires where you could just you know, bleed money at that level and, and, and eventually not take a hit to what is your personal fortune and, and perhaps your lifestyle, which nobody wants to do when... They've grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle and have worked hard to build up that lifestyle. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the summer, uh, when they were supposed to renew their application into the league, they basically bolted Italy. The Piazzas went back to the United States. And uh, right now, uh, although they'll have a team, which now is going to be in a glorified semi-pro league, the, the, the Series D league, the, basically the fourth level, uh, you know, it's not the same. And this is a, a town very prideful of their team. Uh, there's actually a video of uh, a fan outside the team headquarters crying, essentially, when it was uh, bolted up and the team went out of business. So uh, a lot to talk about. I thought it'd be interesting to get away from, well, who's going to play center field? Are the Mets going to sign A.J. Pollock? Uh, should they get another arm for the bullpen? Should they get another arm, you know, starting rotation arm? There's plenty of time for that after New Year. Figured to get into this pretty cool feature about a former Meta Hall of Famer and what I think might be one of the more fascinating sports stories of 2018 because it encompasses so much. It encompasses the corruption of the Italian Soccer League, uh, essentially a midlife crisis of a Hall of Fame player, a player close to home here in New York in Piazza, uh, marriage, and, and maybe two people who are married who are, if you read the piece, not on the same page about where they want to be. In their life, looks like Mike wants to get back into you know sports, while you know his wife just wants to kind of enjoy their money, enjoy their family, and 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 really enjoy being wealthy at this point. Where I think Mike wants to get his hands dirty and get back into some aspect of sports and competition and what have you. So, Robert Andrew Powell of the Athletic, uh, you could check him out on his website, robertandrewpowell.com at Robert Andrew P on Twitter. Will be joining us in just a couple of minutes. We'll ask him about his experience interviewing the Piazzas, going over to Italy, and uh, talking to some of the uh, people up in the, the town of Reggio Emilia, 
and uh, really uh, give you guys a, a take about how it was to write this story and cover this uh, really interesting 2018 sports story, which I'm not going to say it's going to be the sports story of the year, but for me personally, I thought uh, it was one of the more interesting pieces I've read, not just on The Athletic, but in sports journalism uh, this year. Let's take a quick break. When we return, Robert Andrew Powell will be joining me, Robert Andrew Powell of The Athletic, and we'll talk about Mike Piazza. The Passion of Mike Piazza is the article and about his foray into owning an Italian soccer league team. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcast right after this. Now Boyer's 0-2 to Piazza. Swinging a high fly ball to right field. It's pretty deep. Back goes Langerhans on the track at the wall. It's out of here! Mike Piazza with an opposite field three-run homer! And the Mets take a 6-3 lead in the bottom of the eighth inning. We are not good around by a multi-billion dollar corporation. The stadium was built for this team by these people. We've reached out in friendship to try to form a coalition with the mayor, with Mr. Squincy, with Saswala, with my pay, and we've gotten nothing. Nothing! And I'm sick of it. I'm tired and sick of Reggiana being pushed around. I am frustrated and I'm freaking pissed off. Claudio Santini in Siena, in semifinale. Incredibile! Incredibile! Siena in semifinale! Siena in semifinale! We're back, and uh, joining me is Robert Andrew Powell. Uh, you guys may have recently seen his piece over at The Athletic, his first about uh, former Met and Hall of Famer Mike Piazza and his foray into owning an Italian soccer club. You could also check out Robert on his website, robertandrewpowell.com, and at robertandrewp on Twitter. You've also seen him in Sports Illustrated, Harper's, Kansas City Star, amongst others. Uh, Robert, Happy New Year. And I got to tell you, and I mean this sincerely, this piece is fascinating for a sports piece. It has just about everything. Uh, You don't have to be a baseball fan to appreciate it. It's informative. Uh, I learned a lot about a sports soccer I don't know much about. Uh, welcome to the program, and I got to say, I think it's one of the better pieces of 2018. I got to give you that. I was trying to get it in there right under the wire, uh, late <laughs> December. Uh, that's how that's how they do it with the Oscars, I think. Um, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. I I I like the piece, which uh, um, I don't always say about stuff that I wrote. I find it just fascinating. I, I, the story to me is about Mike Piazza trying to find something to do. Um, with the rest of his life after he retired. I I, I think it's something um, that a lot of athletes have to face, which is, you know, you're, you're relatively young, you're financially set, you've already accomplished. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. He, you know, how much more can he accomplish? And yet, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I think Mike uh, made a really good faith effort. It's something, as he said, different and creative and he really screwed it up. It turned out to be just a huge fiasco. 
when I was reading this, I thought of, and I don't, I'm sure you've seen the movie Major League, the, the Major League One, Major League Two. Yeah. His oh, wife yeah. comes across like Rachel Phelps, <laughs> and he comes across like Roger Dorn a little bit. It's, I, I, I hate to say it, they don't really, both of them come off great. Mike comes off a little bit better than his wife. I don't think you intended to harm anybody, but they don't come off that great, uh, in my opinion, at least. If you're a, I, a, I, an I Italian don't, soccer I don't. I don't think they do either. But I think. Um, I think. I, I think Mike comes across as a nicer person, whose heart was in the right place. But I think this whole thing is is truly his fault. He had. Um, he'd bought the soccer team in Italy, because he just he just grown enamored with soccer. And he thought owning a team would be pretty cool. And he he imagined he would be there for thirty years, and he would hand the team down to his kids. But in the first year, they got to Italy and they they were they were getting fleeced. Um, um, they were getting hustled. Like they, the when, after they bought the team, but before they took over, the the payroll just um, exploded because people kept adding their friends onto the payroll and 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 expenses. I don't they more than tripled. And he couldn't handle. Like after one year, he was like, I, I give up. And he he handed everything over to his wife Alicia Piazza, and she, though, had never wanted to do this. She'd never wanted to him to buy a soccer team, and the money that it cost to run a team, she felt it was their money personally. She didn't want to give it away to the soccer team, and so she did a really terrible job. And the people in this Italian town um, blame her, but I feel. Ultimately, it ha- it's just it's Mike's responsibility. He sh- he shouldn't have given her control of the team because obviously she didn't want to do it. The town is uh, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but I'll try it. Reggio yeah. Emilia, AC Reggiana is the yeah. team. Good enough, right? I don't have the Italian accent, <laughs> Spanish in high school. Um, yeah. it, it, you know, I'm reading the the fans how they're you know it's a hundred year old team. I, I know that they were just borderline above semi pro in Division Three. They've had a history where yeah. they've been in the top division. But when I read uh, yeah. your description of the fans crying in front of the headquarters, it almost sounded like Dodgers fans uh, in front of Old Ebbets Field. I mean, there's a lot of passion in this northern Italian town for this team. And and I think Mike was very close. I know that there's a story you talk about about a playoff game that he feels he was jobbed at. And, it, you know, there's, yeah. there's been viral videos of him ranting about the fact that he's got to pay rent in his own stadium, a, a deal that was well before him. But – it's a town. Uh, right. The point is uh, rooted in soccer, a lot of passion, yeah. and 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 having uh, first generation friends who came over, parents from Italy. I know how passionate. I mean, I grew up in Benson, <laughs> Brooklyn. That's an Italian hotbed okay. of soccer. You <laughs> should see it during the World Cup. Uh, Your yeah. Italian should be better then. Come on. Man. No, it's not. I'm, I'm a Portuguese, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, uh, I know the passion there, and I and I think you you portrayed yeah. that well. It's heartbroken over this. Well, I think, like you said, with the Dodgers in Brooklyn, um, you know, I live in Miami and we have the Marlins and and it, it's hard to feel like the Marlins are part of anyone's life because they change owners and then they liquidate and threaten to move, threaten to shut down. And it's it's just, you know, the worst kind of relationship with sports. But in, in, in Italian soccer like like people live in these towns for their whole lives and the team was there before they were born and the team is usually going to be there um after they die and they know this and and, and it's a way to ha- the, the sport has a 
the team has a much more central role in a person's life. It's, I see it as like the Red Sox. Like if you were born in Boston, you know the Red Sox were there and their history was there before you got there. And they're gonna, and you always feel like they're gonna be there. And you know, in Miami with the Marlins, we don't feel that way. And in in Reggiana and Reggio Emilia, um, they were devastated when this team folded because they were like, "This is this is part of who we are. We, uh, this is part of our town. This is part of our culture. This is part of our personal identities." But for Mike, it was just a it was just a fling and a, and a toy. And and as soon as it got hard, he wanted out. And that's um, that was shocking to them in Italy. And I think it almost like, and I remember Piazza as a player was always a hard worker, you know, yeah. a good leader by example. He never was the club leader. And then you look at, and listen, this may be unfair. You look at certain players when they play, and you're like, well, that guy's going to be a broadcaster, and that guy could be a future owner yeah. or a manager. Yeah. Mike didn't fit that. Mike was always into playing baseball, being Mike Piazza, you know, into his rock and roll. And and listening, you know, reading what you what you put, it seemed like the happiest he was was when he was talking to the players. I don't want to say yep. coaching them because he's a baseball player. No. Maybe he can no. give yeah. them transferable skills as an athlete, but he seemed most happy doing that, almost like how he's an instructor, a guest instructor in Port St. Yeah. Lucie during the spring. That, to me, is his role uh, as, a, as a retired athlete, and I think he tried to overextend himself in a lot of ways. That's the part of owning a soccer team that he found most satisfying is um... – he felt like he he could be personally invested in this team and and he is a you know he's a hall of fame athlete and the 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 soccer players on over in Italy they you know he didn't speak italian they didn't understand baseball but they got what he was saying when when he was trying to motivate them they they really appreciated him because they recognized that he's he's you know he's very he was very very good at his job and um, Mike really liked that and, and it gave him some purpose and it gave him some happiness, uh, to be emotionally invested with his team like he was when he was a player. Um, but that, I mean, but he didn't know how to run a team and his wife, he handed everything over to his wife and she didn't want to run a team. And so that's why this whole thing just imploded. It did, you know. Obviously, the viral video of his rant made its way around yeah. the states, and there was there was blurbs about him, the team going bankrupt. But I, I didn't. It really didn't resonate here. And obviously, we're yeah. myopic. We're in our own sports. Uh, you right. ran with this. I mean, how difficult was this for you to sit down with the, the two of them? Because again, it's not going to affect them in the United States. It's not going to affect their brand, quote unquote. But you know, this is pretty controversial. He was getting death threats over in Italy. He may not be able to, certainly yeah. he's going to be able to go back to that town. This was a good win for you to get them to sit down in person and get their, their take on this. So how'd you work that one out? I, I was just surprised. Um, I, I, I got them to, they gave me an interview because I'd gone to Italy, you know, in, in modern sports writing. I, too much of it is Google journalism where, where people just search for everything they can online and then write up a story without ever going anywhere. And the athletic, the reason why I agreed to work with the athletic is they, they flew me to Italy and just going to Italy and talking to people, um, you learn stuff that you wouldn't have learned on Google. And then the Piazza's respected that I went there and I live in Miami beach and they happen to be in Miami beach 
when I got back. And so I just texted Alicia and asked for an interview and she's like, come on over. We're going to have wine. Michael be here. And that was, a, this is, this is the part that's extremely unusual. That was five hours long. We spent together. We finished three bottles of wine. And, um, I think those quotes, um, come from the, in vino veritas, uh, we got very comfortable with each other and they were very hurt. And so, um, they sort of, they were happy to talk to me about it because, you know, who, who could understand what they had just been through. So it was, it was, it was the most unusual interview I've ever had. I was, you know, speaking of Google journalism, preparing to talk to you, I was like, okay, I don't know much about soccer. So I did a little bit of digging, but it does seem like the general, opinion in the football world is that the yeah. Italian leagues are very difficult to navigate. There's a lot of corruption, yeah. referees. Yep. I mean, it goes back to this playoff yep. game that maybe if they win this playing game and get to yep. the second division, uh, the B league, maybe things are different. Yeah. Do you agree with all those, those statements? I do. Uh, it, it just, in hindsight, I mean, Italian soccer is an incredibly difficult business to figure out. And and just having some money and some enthusiasm isn't enough. It's a different culture, and I've seen a lot of people criticize Mike for thinking that as an Italian American he could come over and understand that culture. And I just by the results, I think it's a fair criticism. Um, he he was naive about how difficult it is, and I'm. I'm sympathetic. I, I feel his heart was really in the right place when he did this. But he, I mean, there's. it's obvious that a number of people saw him coming and they, and they saw his wallet and they knew that he didn't know how, the, how, the, how the, the world works in Italy. And they took advantage of him, like immediately. And so, you know, he also, they, you know, is the game corrupt on the field? You know, he believes it is. And it's not a crazy theory. And, and I, I talk about one game in the, in the story. You don't have to know much about soccer to see the video of this penalty that's called on him. And that's the craziest, most nonsensical, infuriating penalty there ever was. And like, you can't help but wonder if that's crooked. But, but I did take away that though he's hurt and you talk about how he's hurt, he can't even watch soccer. Yeah. When his wife compares yeah. the city to, to Pittsburgh, he tries to interject, like, you know, almost like, ah, be, uh-huh. be easy on him. And she's like, no, nah, I don't want to hear it. I, I mean, there's a general dislike yeah. of the area from her. He still seems to have a soft spot, uh, you know, and, and that's maybe just his personality. Yeah. you got two people who have uh, very different personalities that come out in, in the piece. Yeah, and he's, he's much more likable as a person. And in Italy, he was like, he was liked and, and his wife has an abrasive theatrical personality. I, I like her. Um, uh, maybe I'm in a minority, but I, 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 I enjoyed talking to her and I sort of understood her position. I mean, the, the key position, she never wanted to do this and she wasn't necessarily equipped to do the job of being the public face of a soccer team in a, in a city in Italy where they really care about soccer. Um, you know, much more of a public role than even Derek Jeter down here with the uh, Marlins. And um, people, you know, people found her abrasive. And I, I think part of her, like, knocking um, Reggio Emilia as if it's Pittsburgh is just 
the pain she feels about this whole experience. It didn't work out at all. And she's getting the blame and she doesn't like to be blamed for that. But as you said, Mike tried to interject and I tried to interject. I would, I would love to live in Pittsburgh. I would love to own the Pittsburgh Pirates. That would be, that would be awesome. You know, it, it does show you how much money you need to own a professional sports team. You know, Derek yes. Jeter being the owner, Derek yes. Jeter doesn't own a majority. Mike owned 85%. No, 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 no. It's hard. By the end, he owned it all. By the end, he owned it all. Yeah. Yeah. And he was losing they were lo- Moros, which significantly more money here, I would think. Uh, uh, yeah. It was a and it was coming straight out of his pocket. As, as right. his wife, you know, I, I I think any wife would, I mean, not any wife, any any partner would be um, uh, concerned to watch that kind of bleed rate on money that you could spend, you know, on, on anything else, you know, a new car or any, I mean, more than a new car. Um, and, uh, worried about the financial future you know how how many years can we afford to do this before we're actually poor um someone made a comment there's a there's a big difference between being rich and being wealthy and mike and his, the piazzas are rich but but wealthy is a kind of rich that rich people can't even really fathom it, it, you have so much money that buying a soccer team wouldn't hurt you in any way whatsoever at all and mike just isn't at that level um yeah. few people are yeah. No, yeah, actually he's playing baseball in that time. Unless you invested you're not I mean he he has more money than all than I'll ever imagine having. Yeah. And he's a big success and he earned that success. But you know, in the story one of his rival owners is a billionaire and Mike's nowhere near that level and never will be. No. And and, yeah. and you mentioned earlier the other part, which I think is the biggest part of the piece, that's not the overarching story, but it's the athlete and he says it in there, you know, he loves his kids, but doing diaper duty mm-hmm. and, and taking photos yeah. in front of, you know, you go on the, this lifestyle magazine, you see the two of them taking photos in front of the fireplace. You know, he's used to the, the action and it's very yeah. difficult, I guess, to come down. I know people say, well, you know, feel bad for him. You know, it's, it's almost intoxicating to be in front of the fans being in New York. Uh, you know, Mike was at a, a great time of New York baseball going to the yeah. world series. And now he's, He's not getting that. He's not getting that coming in as a guest instructor. Maybe he got a little of that coming back for his yeah. Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, but that's fast and fleeting. You know, you get forgotten really quick, and he seems to be struggling a little bit with that. And I, that's the part that I really um, empathize with. I, it's, it's not my experience at all, but I, South Florida is kind of this retirement home for more <laughs> for athletes as well, and. It, to me, I'm really sympathetic to the idea of, a, of an early death. Um, you die at about age 38 in a way because that whole part of your life that was very exciting and fulfilling and and rewarding is over. And then you have to go on with the rest of your life. And, and 38 isn't very old in the big picture. Um, most retirees are, you know, like 70s. And so here's Mike. He was golfing a lot a lot more than he wanted to because that's what retirees do. And he, he didn't want to be retired and he didn't have to work. He's financially set for life. Could eat the greatest food, every meal for the rest of his life could golf every day um, on the greatest courses. And with Michael Jordan, who's also, you know, just drifting around there. South Florida, we have a lot of these people. Like I, I see Scotty Pippen every once in a while. And it's just like, yeah, I remember when that guy was that right. guy. And, and now they're just floating around. You, you run into them at the grocery store, and it's not a very glamorous life at all. 
And no. like the, Mike seems pretty grounded, but I think this dealing with the change is, is really what fueled him to take this um, spectacular um, gamble, which I, I, I really feel was he had the best of intentions with. And, and right. it's, it's unfortunate for him and, and for his family that it, it just, it, it, it was a bad idea in, in hindsight. Did, you know, before I let you go, so do you have any idea, mm-hmm. you know, what, what Piazza wants to do next? I mean, I know he's probably going to do his guest no. instructing in, in Port St. Lucie, no. you know, obviously owning a team, not easy. I don't know if his wife want to go back no. to that. It, it, like, so is golf it? Like, did he give you an indication of what's on his mind? Because he needs to start. Well, he's, he's, got, he's got a contract with the Mets to make a, a certain number of appearances a year. Um goes to hospital, throws out the first pitch. Um, but it's not much. And uh, he, Alicia told me that, they, you know, they get offered broadcasting jobs, and he just doesn't seem to be interested in that. Um, he has an interesting voice, and obviously he knows baseball. I think he could I think he could possibly make it as a broadcaster, but he's just not interested. And he doesn't have to, again. He, he is financially set for life. And so he's adrift. He's – and that's – that's the part that I really um, empathize with. And it's not something that's only um, millionaire athletes who feel this way, but he's just, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, That's, I mean, that's the classic midlife crisis, which is what his wife said this soccer team was. Going to Italy, talking to these fans. I mean, that, that's another part Mm -hmm. I'd have to ask you. That's probably a pretty cool experience. Did you learn a lot? It was great. I loved it. What'd you take away? I, (laughs) other than it's a good, I, 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 well, my first takeaway was that it was a great place to be. I love this town. Um, I'd been to Italy, but I never really spent time there. And this wasn't a tourist town. And yet, you know, so I wasn't running into Americans, um, with fanny packs and yet it looks like Disney world. It's like, you can't, you know, it looks like this, um, fake idea of a city, but it's been a city for however many centuries and people live here and those shops are cute just cause that's the way they are. And the food was unbelievable. I, 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 I kept having the, the daydream that I somehow had the money and I was like, I'll buy the team myself. Like, I would love to live here and run a soccer team. It's really romantic. It, 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 I found the city charming. I found Northern Italy to be charming. Um, and I love, I happen to love soccer. I love baseball too. I, I love sports. And, and the idea to have that at the center of, of your life while living in this Italy, uh, <laughs> it was attractive. I got it. I understood from going there, why he found it so attractive. Will AC uh, Reggiana ever be able to kind of recover from this? Do you, I know they're basically semi-pro now because of the situation. And uh, what do you see? Do you see any, this is a hundred year old club. Uh, I mean, is it, is yeah. it done for good? It's not done. It, the, the teams, you can't, you can't um, move a team out of a city in, in, in Italy. Like if the team folds, the mayor gets to choose if another they could start up at, like they started up this team in D when when Mike folded the the team that was in C, and it's with the mayor's blessing. So that's now the city's team, but it, they're playing semi-pro ball. Nobody nobody's paid. The the it's mostly amateurs and some professionals who don't get paid for their work. Um, 
and they adapt to flying back up. That, you know, that's the thing that European and sports and soccer have that America doesn't have, which is, you know, any team in any city, if you, if you get your act together, you can go into the major leagues. And so it, it's not over. Um, I have, you know, the video in the story of the man crying in the street, this old man. I, I talked to him when he was there and I went to a practice for the, the team down in D and he was still upset, but he was, he was happy to have anyone to root for because he, he's a, he, he's a native of that town. He's not going to go anywhere until he dies and he wants to have a team to root for. And at least he has one, even though it's, um, it's well below what the, the people in that city expect. It's like if, um, if the Yankees got dropped down to a ball, um, right. Yeah. Right. Hey, and look, the the craziest part of it is, is and you report this, is mm-hmm. that uh, the pl- the people that got fired from uh, the team when Mike took over are still getting paid. That's a nice little law. That yeah. Paid. I mean, I got to. Well, that's how that that's how he got. Contract. Yeah. Well, that's how he he got fleeced. Is that when he bought the team, suddenly all these people were added to the payroll that he didn't know about, and in Italy, you 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 can fire someone, but if you do, you still have to pay them. Um, and it's just part of the way Italian business culture works. And so he's like, I, we don't need all these people. Let's get rid of them. And then he was informed, and this is his naivete, that no, well, you can get rid of them. You still got to pay them as if they show up every day and yeah. for years into the future. And that's why the that's why the expenses just balloon way beyond anything he was expecting. And that's why his first year was so difficult, and that's why – he, um, uh, in desperation, handed things over to his wife, and she basically put an end to it, which is what she wanted the whole time. Hey, uh, first, uh, I wanted to give you a little pop here. Obviously, you're not a, just a, a, a sports journalist. You have books, a book about youth soccer, uh, excuse me, youth uh, football, a uh, book about uh, Brazilian soccer, I believe. And uh, No, Mexican you know, soccer, Mexican, Mexican soccer. Mexican, I'm sorry, Mexican soccer. That's I'm all right. Uh, no one uh, in Mexico will be offended that you call them Brazilian. Listen, I didn't call it Pittsburgh, though. That's about it. That's, 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 that's right. <laughs> Could be worse. Um, yeah. so let us know what's going on with you. What's up next? What do you have? Uh, what do you have going? I like. On I like. People know about. I I, th- I I I see myself as a sports writer, but I, I feel like my sports stories um, have very little to do with sports. This this here with Mike Piazza is obviously a sports story. It's about buying a soccer team, but to me, it's really about dealing with um, post-death, post-career life for an athlete. It, it's about um, Italy. It's about marital relations. And it has very little to do with kicking a ball into a net. And, and that's what I like. I, I, I think so, I think sports um, are, gr- are great things to write about because they encompass, they encompass so much more than just, obviously, the game itself. And, and I'm, I'm sure when you talk about baseball, you're not just talking about strikes and, and slugging percentage. Um, it's people, sports, and people getting into these situations. That's what I identify with, and, and that's what animates me. And so I'm still working on sports stories. I just got a new one for the athletic that I started on, which um, um, Mexican. It's in Mexico again, and I, you know. That's what I like just professionally. I like to travel. I like to see new cultures. And so this Piazza was kind of a dream assignment. Get to go to Italy yeah. and get to write about an interesting guy who just had an interesting experience, even if it was a fiasco. Um, 
it's kind of fascinating what he went through. Yeah, it, great story. Like I said, one of the best stories I've written this year. I mean that sincerely. <laughs> Robert, happy New Year. Thank you for being generous with your time. Happy New Year to you. And let's uh, yeah. let's catch up again at some point. I'll be checking out your work as time goes on. Thank you so much. Hey, no problem at all. Thank you. That that that's uh, Robert Andrew Powell at Robert Andrew P on Twitter, robertandrewpowell.com uh, on uh, the website. And yes, it is actually about Mexican soccer. Uh, if you check out his book, it's called "This Love Is Not for Cowards." So I didn't call them Pittsburgh. But I did insult uh, an entire country and not a country you probably want to be on the bad side with. All right, let's take a quick break. When we return, some uh, uh, reaction, final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva. We'll be back with more right after this. As far as the soccer team, I, you know, I've been going to Italy now since 2006, the first time I played for Italy in the Classic, and uh, just fell in love with soccer. And looked at uh, a couple of business opportunities uh, as to, to purchase teams and, and various opportunities and just decided to, to jump in the water to give it a shot and really experience what it's like to, to be a club owner uh, and learn the business. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to buy Manchester United, you know, next week or next year, but uh, uh, I'm happy in Reggiana. It's the same town that Kobe Bryant actually his father played. Uh, it's in Emilia-Romagna, about an hour south of Milan. It's a, it's a beautiful city, and the fans are extremely passionate. Uh, it's a challenge. It's uh, a business, and, you know, the, those teams over there are known to, to you have to work them, and you have to be smart and have discipline. So I'm excited to do it. I don't know where it will lead, but all I know is it's, it's been a lot of fun, and, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. back final thoughts and i really enjoyed that piece and uh hope you enjoyed it too something interesting something different as we head into the new year and look a few quick takeaways first if you heard the basically the break in between the intro and and getting to robert there was a montage of piazza clips that connected his playing career to basically his venture into Italian soccer. So you had one of the highlights. I found an obscure highlight. I think it's from 2005 about a Piazza home run against the Braves. Tired of putting the same home run calls up there. And then there's the chant in the square, in the in the plaza, basically, the Piazza, uh, of you know Piazza taking over the team and the fans being excited and, and what have you. Then you hear Mike, who had this infamous rant in the middle of all this when he felt he was getting bamboozled. Then you hear a call, which none of us, unless you really speak Italian, can understand about the controversial uh, loss in the playoffs. And then that's actually rounding it out is that fan that Robert mentions that you, you could get all this on the athletic website where this article is is right now. You have to obviously sign up. It's not free and what have you. But if you do, you could get that. You could see the actual fan crying, and that's him weeping in front of the gate of where uh, what formerly was the headquarters for – uh, AC Regina. Uh, and I, again, I've said it probably a million different ways, Regina. I don't know how to say. I, my, it's very it's very stressful, actually, as I, I try to pronounce these things. I'm trying to be respectful. I want to do a good job. I want to say the right thing. But you have to have that right tongue. You have to have that right dialect. And, uh, and I'm far from that. But I, I agree with Robert. I think you know, the, the, there's so many different takeaways here. You have the 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 marriage of these two people who are clearly on different mindsets about where they are in their life. 
I think Mike wants to be involved in sports, and I think he'd like to be like his father, an entrepreneur, a businessman. But I, I, you know, it takes a special kind of person. And I think being an instructor in Port St. Lucie and talking catching and talking baseball and talking hitting is a heck of a lot different than managing, than owning, than coaching, all the things that if you were doing it more than just a cursory dive into it. And I don't know if Mike right now realizes there's a big difference. I think he does after this, but what he wants and maybe what he can provide or what he's good at, and, and I think that's a big thing for retired players. The idea that you're a great player, a Hall of Famer, and you could just jump in and do something and be great at it because you were good or elite at something else in athletics is, is, is not true. And I always remember when the late Gary Carter, may God rest his soul, when he it was one of the first guys he interviewed when I started doing radio. And he was upset, and uh, he talked in that interview about how he didn't want to have to really ride the buses and go to Binghamton, New York, and pay his dues managing. And at that time, the Mets were coming off the 2006 season. Willie Randolph was in no way, shape, or form in danger of losing his job. But, you know, Gary wanted to manage the big league club. Gary wanted to manage the Mets, and... You know, you you just just because you're Gary Carter, just because you're a Hall of Famer, uh, just because you've accomplished a lot in your career, doesn't mean that that just comes to you. You have to kind of go through the process. You have to be able to earn your stripes, and sometimes that's done in excess. And I think now it's less because you see so many guys being thrown into managerial roles from front offices or coaching roles who never even played professionally. Uh, but the point is, is that you take away that you know this is a hard thing. And then I think the best point Robert made up. Uh, you know, out of this or made out of this whole thing uh, is being very rich and very wealthy and wealthy enough to own a professional sports franchise. Derek Jeter doesn't own the Marlins. He has a very small, I think, a 1% share. Major League Baseball wants him to be the forefront and the head because of exposure in that town. Bruce Sherman, who started a, 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 a private capital management company, he owns the Marlins. He's the guy with the big bucks. And I think the joke recently was that he basically took Jeter, and, and Jeter came on board and was part of this just so we could have him on his speed dial, so to speak. I think that was a joke that was made out. But Mike got into this thing. He was 85% owner. I think it, it maybe owned the whole darn thing at one point. Uh, he was bleeding a lot of euros, which is you know significantly more American dollars. I know he signed a $100 million contract with the Mets, and he made millions before that. And I'm sure uh, he's had some – I think he's even had some car dealership ventures out in Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken – and I'm sure he's not in any danger of being broke, but this could go south and you could lose a lot of money very quickly. And if you're not using play money, and I don't think four, five, six million euros for a guy who's not a billionaire could be considered play money, you can you can get into some uh, trouble. Uh, similar to how when someone gambles too much, you can get into trouble. And, and to, and what's, you know, is described as a bit of a midlife crisis. Uh, that could be a very expensive midlife crisis. Go out and buy a car, maybe, like uh, uh, Robert said. So anyway, um, I, I think there's a lot to take from it. I think you should check out the piece. Uh, I, I think it's just a fascinating, one of the more fascinating stories of uh, of 2018 and a chance to just get away from the monotony of the offseason because now you're getting into where I think uh, our buddy Greg Prince over at Faith and Fear and Flushing had said, which is the baseball equinox, which now you're closer to the new season now at this point than you were to last season. So 2019's in sight. It's not just 24 hours away, depending on when you listen to this, because I'm recording this on December 30th. It's not 24 hours away. It's now 24 hours away on the calendar, but the 2019 baseball season is now in front of us. 
and very clearly now 2018 is in the back. It's not, you know, just uh, the off season. It's now the 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 part of the off season where you charge ahead. There's still some work to be done. There's still major free agents out there, and I think January is going to be busy. But who knows? Last year. Hot stove and free agency lasted until March. We had, you know, the players putting that camp together and what have you. So we'll see what comes of it. Uh, I think there's going to still be action for the Mets. I think there's plenty of time to talk about that. But I figured today we take a blow and uh, and do something different. So happy New Year! Hope everybody enjoyed the piece. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcast uh, in another week. You know, we'll see what uh, the week brings, and and I'll see what uh, transpires, and I'll see what I could bring to the table as uh, we start to uh, kick off the offseason again after New Year. Of course, I want to thank Robert Andrew Powell. You can check him out at The Athletic. You can check him out on Twitter at Robert Andrew P. And also his website, robertandrewpowell.com. Of course, I want to thank our good friends over at MetsmorizedOnline.com for always syndicating the show. Of course, you could check me out all the time on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. And you can get me over at Twitter at Mike Silva Media. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Happy New Year. Be safe. See you guys all in 2019. Until then, take care. about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.